0: You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.
1: And hello, America. Welcome to another edition of Greg's List Live, your home for serious journalism, only on AmericasWebRadio.com. Tis the season to be jolly, except in North Korea. Ho, ho, homies. Uh, You know, David, yesterday... Uh, North Korea, they lost their internet. So oh. all all five houses that, that had internet in North Korea went, went dark all of a sudden. Well, and, you know, inc- your
2: president said he was going to get revenge. I including
1: guess. Pyongyang. I guess I'm curious as to why we are the ones uh, taking revenge out for a Japanese company. I, it, Sony's Japanese last time I checked, didn't it? Okay. Well, so, I, you know, I, but I, I get it. They have a lot of American interests. No. I get, like, free TVs from them. You know, I mean, well, very cheap TVs thanks to the, the Chinese uh, labor economy. But um, it is curious to, to think that we are the ones taking revenge for Sony because clearly it was one of the uh, situations. Is it, is it, that's supposed to be 215. Yeah. Anyway, we've got a couple of guests calling in today. One at 2:15, one at two thirty. CJ Pearson at two uh, fifteen, who is uh, the leader, the executive director of Young Georgians in Government, and we also have State Senator Brandon Beach scheduled to call in at two thirty. So, we've got you to- know,
2: be- you realize that with your president cutting off the internet to mm-hmm. Kim it's- Jong, mm-hmm. let me hear you mm-hmm. say, uh, "Yeah, you know, one that, of my that, favorite." That knocked guys. all of his porno out. He may retaliate. This well, could be serious.
1: Well, no, I mean, it's dead serious, David. In fact, you know what the most stressful job in the world is? North Korean tech support. <laughs> think, think, think about when the every now and then uh, you didn't get it right. Exactly. I mean, think about that. The guy, you, you think you open up a nice little business, North Korean tech support. You're taking care of like the really rich people in Pyongyang. Then all of a sudden the call comes in from Kim Jong, um, you know, fix this because I need to be back online immediately to play to play Atari and watch a little porn, and all of a sudden you're whisked away to the palace in Pyongyang and you have guns pointed at you, and then you see bodies of the other tech support people <laughs> that they've gone through, and they say, you fix this now, or you join them. But, 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 So, I don't know, David, I... uh. I could be serious. I, I, I think it's deadly serious, but they're back on apparently. Nine and a half hours in the dark. Um, some people are saying that it's the hacker group Anonymous that that did it. It wasn't the uh, the U.S. government or the CIA or whoever would uh, engage in our retribution. To I believe Obama called it cyber vandalism. Yeah, is that right? I don't know. Well, yeah. Anyway, North Korea. It's been a lot of fun. I am hoping that the Commodore 64 that I ordered uh, last week will arrive on time. I'm kind of glad they're back online. You know? I mean, it's extremely important. And, David, if you think about it, all of this publicity about North Korea, it's helped the geographic awareness in this country. Did you know that now a record high of 36% of Americans can now point out North Korea on a map as long as South Korea is labeled? Uh, I don't know if you... As uh, long as South Korea is on there, 36%, more than a third of Americans... And if you can, turn left, what do you got? You got East Korea or China? You got China.
2: Yeah, no. that's a pretty, pretty big... Uh,
1: yeah, no, China's pretty easy to find. Yeah. That, that's a pretty easy one. Every, just flip on your TV and you'll find it. But uh, anyway, your president did uh, something that you've heard me talk about a lot, actually. Dave. He did some? Um, the, you've heard me mention Cuba. And I don't think me and you agree on this, about opening it up. Um I can't remember if we do or not. I, for some reason, I don't think that we do. I've agreed that the uh, – or I've, I've posited the opinion that the Cuban embargo, 54 years of it, has not worked. The Castros are still there. You know, Fidel is, is obviously full of formaldehyde or something. He's still alive somehow. Now his brother Raul is running the day-to-day affairs for the past five, six years. But, you know, what, what do we do about it?
2: Well, see, and, I think it's worked well because where else are we going to ship all those old cars? <laughs> you know, that's the biggest wrecking yard of in the world. Well, is Cuba. but that's the thing is, okay, it's great
3: for
1: classic car collectors here, and it could be good for our auto manufacturers. I, I, got, I guess somebody argued with me uh, last week about it. I, I posted a pretty good article uh, that I wrote about why we should do it. Why Cuba is not a threat to the United States, and. They said, well, the French and the Germans have been trying to invest in there, and they haven't been able to do it. And I said, you know what? When is the last time the French, France's inability to do something, ever said that, oh, hell no, The United, there's no way the U.S. can do something? If France can't accomplish it, then there's absolutely no way the United States can. I, I, I firmly believe that capitalism we Will kill the Castro's, and I understand that what Obama did was was unilateral, but he, he he it was a half measure. Okay, he all he said is we'll open up an embassy, and you know Americans can start traveling there. I I I would love to travel there. I don't like the government telling me where I can go.
2: So, you just—if uh, you hadn't have mentioned that, I would have gone ahead and given you your Christmas present. But since you've already blown it, well, so much for. Is it a kahib- so is it, it a cigar? It, it, no, it was <laughs> a uh, canoe with uh, one paddle, <laughs> so you could well, go to Cuba. You know, no, the, I, I tell you, I—I I, uh, You didn't live through the Cuban crisis. No, I didn't. I, you I weren't was, even born. No, my whole
1: life, I, my um, whole life, I've been told I can't go to Cuba.
2: Uh, you know, I. Uh, my biggest thing is, if it were done the way it should have been done, as opposed to unilaterally, and, and we had gotten something out of it, and the Cuban people directly would get something out of it, I would be all for it. But it's like, oh, well, you know, I I know a guy sitting across from me. I want to go to Cuba, and where are you going to stay? Well, I'll stay in one of the nice Cuban hotels. (laughs) Well, what are you supporting when you stay in one of the nice Cuban hotels? Um, Hopefully. All of the hotels are owned by the Army. Right. All of the restaurants are owned by the Army. And also, you are so basically supporting. You prop- are
1: propping up a regime that already has absolute power. Though, I mean, yeah. there's, they, so they they already do have absolute power. They're losing the, the, their trading partners with Russia and Venezuela.
2: And I, now, I don't, quite honestly, I don't think the folks. And I agree with your statement that capitalism could bring their folks to the to the brink of doing something. Well, I am not sure their folks. They've had fifty four years to do something, and they haven't done anything. So no, I'm I'm I really I I don't have a problem with opening the doors up to Cuba had it been done right, and I don't think it was done right. Nor do I think uh, this administration could. I don't think they could hit a commode seat. You know? Well,
1: that's the thing, though, David, and that's what uh, one the the gist uh, or the rationale with, with the article that I wrote was: is that Obama did a half measure. We as Republicans, and I know sometimes you don't identify with um, you know Republicans because a lot of times we drop the ball, but let's just say Republicans or conservatives in general who are going to be taking over the Senate and already have the House of Representatives. We have a historic opportunity these next two years to actually get some of those measures that you said that, we, that Obama failed to. Obama seems to be a terrible negotiator. The Bo Bergdahl swap. Uh, this one was, um, I mean, again, the the republicans tend to freak out and there is a just an anti-obama sentiment and normally i'm a 99 that was to say a broken clock right twice a day uh, a broke obama is right i don't know how much but getting the conversation started about cuba and looking at a policy that's 54 years and, and hasn't worked i think is um is a good step but republicans again will have the ability to lead the negotiations this next two years. So maybe we can get the, the, the freedom of the press and, and and enhance private property rights and maybe even restore some of the private property that was stolen from many Cuban-Americans years ago. That's how, where how we need to be. That? That's, you gonna,
2: you're not going to force them to do that.
1: Well, but I think the Cubans right now are desperate, David. They have lost all of their their foreign benefactors.
2: When you say, you mean the government, the the Castro government?
1: Yes, I believe that they are are, are teetering right now. And by putting United States' interests in Cuba, which all we have there is the world's most dangerous terrorists, but uh, yet I can't go there. Hmm, That's a little weird. Cuba's clearly not a threat. But the problem, David, is that they don't have like a, a resistance there. The, the, any healthy Cuban, they'd much rather put together a couple air mattresses and try to float to Miami through the shark-infested straits of Florida than take up arms. I mean, we have two generations of Cubans right now that have grown up that have no memory of the pre-Castro Cuba. So there is no indigenous uh, angst against the casters the only way we're going to win this thing is through outside influence if you look at venezuela when chavez died did it get better no maduro took over and it got worse so just because one of the the casters leaves and maybe raul leaves doesn't mean that's going to improve what's been a totalitarian state we need good old-fashioned america good old-fashioned capitalism to go in there and 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 if we're actually in there and on the ground Perhaps we can set up a drone strike for the the palace. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's all. That, I that's, mean, uh, that's your your president's military forces is, is starts with a D and ends with an E, huh? <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, you know, the drone strikes have come in handy if you you know you don't want to get your uh, uh, you don't have to have to have Congress um, give permission for any kind of invasion or anything like that. But I say invade them with capitalism. Uh, the whole country needs to be rebuilt. It's like a 1950s time capsule, and, and propping up a regime that already has absolute power. It's you—you you can't give them any more power. I mean, Fidel himself was flying around all over the place with, with his new Adidas jumpsuit to get treatment for—I uh, think he had stomach cancer or something like that—and he's still alive somehow. We think yeah. we haven't seen him in a while, but it's like
2: it's like Cuban rum. Maybe they're
1: doing like cigars. Weekend at Bernie's with Fidel down there. Like he's huh. dead, but they got like little strings and stuff yeah. attached well, to his be, arms. You know, they they, they have a, a mechanism set up to uh, allow him to pull in a, a cigar and and uh, give some orders. I don't know. Uh, he has been around a we, long. We time. we haven't seen him in a long, but it's fifty four years of an embargo. University of Georgia is ready to fire Mark Richt after 14 years because <laughs> he didn't accomplish his goal. And you, maybe you saw this, David. In Vermont, the governor of Vermont, a guy named uh, Richard Shumlin, I guess was his name, very progressive, very socialist. His campaign back in 2011 was to establish single-payer health care in Vermont. Mm, and now, they already voted and, it down. Uh, well, they voted it down. The guy already has pulled that out because he realized that it would cost $2 billion, yeah. which is more than the state of Vermont pulls in normally. He'd have to raise taxes by like 12% on uh, people and businesses. And they sa- and he said, I cannot force these tax increases upon everybody in Vermont, so we're pulling it. So, And that's only four years. So something that they realized after four years doesn't work, and they've pulled that. Yet the cuban embargo trudges along 54 years later well i mean why do we have so much patience for that and we're impatient on little on almost i mean almost everything else
2: i, I again i think the uh, the situation is had it been handled differently um i think it would be more acceptable mm-hmm. I, I i you know i i don't know i'm I've given up on trying to figure out what they're going to do next. It's sort of like, <laughs> why is your president not set away? You know, within 15 minutes of Ferguson, within 15 minutes of New York, your president was able to say something within uh, three days now, four days, right. of the two cops being killed in New York. Your president has yet to say anything. Yeah. Uh, does does do actions speak louder than words
1: or inaction or inactions? Oh, of course. And silence. Is, no, is, it is, no. It is what definitive. he has
2: done is an action. It's not an inaction. It is an action. It's a decision. I'm not going to say anything. I'm going to go play God. I'm going to see if my wrist is any stronger. Perhaps I
1: state. should perhaps I should go on another vacation to Hawaii. Anyway, let's go ahead and take our first break. We'll be back with our friend C J Pearson from Young Georgians in Government. See you in a second on Greg's List.
3: This is Doctor George from Peachtree Ear, Nose, and Throat Center. Do you have problems with sinus pain and pressure? Do other people smell things that you don't? Have you lost the joy in eating because food just doesn't taste like it used to? Is your nose always stuffy no matter what you do? Maybe you have sinus or nasal polyps, a chronic sinus infection, or allergies that are either undertreated or have never been treated at all. At Peachtree ENT Center, we use state-of-the-art equipment so you can see the problem. You'll be a partner in your care, and together we will decide the course of treatment. Because we believe in old-fashioned medicine, where we take the time to fix the problem, not just medicate the symptoms. We specialize in minimally invasive balloon dilation sinus surgery, correction of a nasal septal deviation, and turbinate reduction surgery that can be done in the office, getting you back to work the next day. And you can rest assured that all options will be discussed before surgery is recommended because Peachtree ENT Center is where patient care counts. If you'd like to make an appointment, call 404-591-9100 or reach us on the web at www.peachtreeentcenter.com.
4: Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's web radio.
5: The United States Justice Foundation, since 1979, has been dedicated to instructing, informing, and educating the public on legal issues confronting America. That means you and me.
0: You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.
1: Well, I I didn't vote for him, so don't blame me. Anyway, we're back on Greg's List Live, the home of serious journalism, only on AmericasWebRadio.com. Joined now by our friend C.J. Pearson, who is the executive director of a group called Young Georgians in Government. C.J., welcome to Greg's List. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great. Well, good. I uh, I gotta say, I'm pretty amazed that uh, you've been able to put together this uh, this political organization, which uh, Young Georgians in Government. So, tell our listeners a little bit about. It. I've been inviting uh, folks to listen into it, but uh, would love to hear from the uh, the executive director exactly uh, what you got going on.
4: Well, you know, definitely. You know, um, Young Georgians in Government is an organization committed, you know, to engaging young people in the political process and also supporting young candidates who decide to run for office, but in addition to all of that, we're also, you know, fighting for solutions to the issues most important to young people all across the state of Georgia.
1: And y'all's goal, it looks like for this next session, is to actually lower the age for people to serve in the state legislature. Is that correct?
4: Yep, definitely, and you know, that's one of our many goals. We plan on diving in many, you know, crucial pieces of legislation and we also plan to propose a few pieces of legislation um that's probably one of our biggest pieces of legislation we're working on right now and we do plan on having that up for hopefully having that up for a vote this session so yeah
1: now you are uh from Grovetown, town george is that correct yes now is that in cedar town i mean oh, is that no, near cedar town
4: here it's down here in,
1: in augusta oh it's augusta area okay so you're richmond county uh Columbia county. columbia county okay, cool so what um I guess you you, you to to state the obviously you, you've are obvious you've taken an early interest in politics, so you're either crazy or very idealistic <laughs> yeah,
4: definitely you know I've always you know had a strong interest in politics, like this this past cycle, I got involved on Nathan Deal's campaign, David Perdue's, Rick, Rick Allen's, Richard Woods, Brian Kemp, all those great people. I had the opportunity of working on their campaigns, and I just, you know, had the opportunity to dive right straight into it, and it's been it's been great. I really have been more involved than I really ever was, and it's been a great opportunity. You know, that's, that's one of the driving forces behind this legislation, that... But during that time working on these campaigns, I had the opportunity of working with the teen Republicans, and I just saw how capable not only you know myself, but you know all all young people that are really involved in, in politics were just as capable as any other legislator to make decisions uh, under the Gold Coast.
1: Now, how old are you exactly?
4: I'm 12 years old.
1: You're 12 years old. Wow. So if you were a Democrat, you would be registered to vote, I guess.
4: <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. Well, actually, you're too alive to be uh, to be a Democrat voting right now. But okay, so he, here's here's a little pushback though. Okay, so you want to lower the age to 18? Is that 18 for the state house and 18 for state senate, or is it 18 and 21?
4: 18 and 21. 18
1: for the house, 21 for the senate. Okay, so. What do you say to people that uh, would say well the typical 18 year old hasn't had enough life experience, maybe doesn't own property uh, some of the pushback that you may hear, what do you say to that that um, you, you know to combat stuff like that?
4: Yeah, I'm going to say this if you can doctor a country, if you can vote and if you you know if you can, if you have to pay taxes then you should be given the opportunity to serve your community in the state legislature and also I'd say the um the the challenges that young people face are are extremely you know vibrant and and are just as relevant as any older legislator would face in their professional lives young people that, that were faced with um lack of school choice uh lack of Functional educational standards like Common Core. We're faced with all of these issues, and we have solutions. And just like any other person on this planet, we're also able to draw our own opinions by looking at the facts of the matter and garnering our own opinions, and that would lead to our vote uh, that we would make over in the legislature.
1: Well, I'll give you another little bone here. Just say, well, we're not the ones that ran up eighteen trillion dollars in national debt.
4: Mm-hmm. You, you know, definitely. You know, <laughs> that has definitely, you know, has then the blame could be placed on really anyone. But the thing is, that, that $18 trillion in debt, who does it really impact? It impacts the younger generation. We're going if, to, if really if there's no big changes in the near future, we're going to be forced to pay back this debt, and we're going to be forced you know, to uh, have a sufficient way to you know, form a solution to the problem we didn't even make. And that's the greatest opportunity of getting young people to serve in their government. They're going to be faced with the, you know, they're going to be the front line of seriously, you know, just going at the problem head first and just presenting real solutions to preserve our future.
1: Now, at 12 years old, um, you're obviously not driving yet. I hope not anyway. Um, so how do you get around? I guess you have parents. or uh, Can can you get an Uber account at 12? I don't know.
4: Uh, I think you have to be 13, but I don't know. But... Um, well, uh, my parents, yeah, they've driven me around, you know, to campaign events and yeah. events that we have, you know, around over here in Augusta and, you know, in Atlanta. And I do plan on going to first-day sessions, so they'll drop me up there and I'll, you know, so yeah, they've
1: been really supportive as far as I get. Well, that's cool. Now, are they? Um, how do they typically vote? I'm always curious as to see how young people get into uh, politics, whether or not their parents had a formative uh, um, impact on that, or if it was just something that you watched uh, too much Fox News.
4: Oh, well, my parents are Democrats, and, you know, I'm pretty pretty conservative, so conservative that sometimes I can't even stay in my own party. But, you know, so as far as that goes, I've, had, I've been exposed to, you know, both sides mm-hmm. of the aisle, like, you know, my parents' views and, you know, Rick Allen and all those great people just getting involved with the Teen Republicans, all that great stuff, been exposed to all of those views. And really, while they are Democrats, I was able to form my own opinions. Like I said, like any other person, when you look at the facts, you look at the log, then you really, you're able to form your own opinion. And for me, I just fit, you know, within the Republican Party.
1: Well, that seems pretty cool. I guess um, I gotta ask, how many kind of uh, what kind of classes are you taking? You taking economics classes? What do you think about like laws of supply and demand? Um, you know, for policy, for public policy, eighteen year olds are going to have to. I guess it's a lot of pressure on them if they do serve in the legislature to prove their bona fides, to prove they actually can foment uh, public policy.
4: I mean, definitely. You know, there's lots, lots of. Legislation that you know that you're going to have to have a general knowledge of the effects of it. But there's also lots of resources that every senator and current state senator and representative have, and uh, the actual legislature they have a budget and policy office that release studies, a nonpartisan study on that. So, well, you know, while there are, they would have to possess you know a you know a decent knowledge of policy. There are policy analysts that are you know full-time employees of the general
1: assembly. Okay. So, are you are you class president?
4: I in my class side as well. What?
1: are you class president of your uh, 12, 12 year old, is that 7th grade or 8th grade?
4: Um, I, I am actually a student body president at Columbia Middle School yes.
1: Okay, well good, I was about to say, if you, if you weren't student body president you should definitely think about running for that, as, uh, you know, obviously you're uh, clearly laying the path for uh, for something at 18 are you, Um, I, I've noticed you have posting updates as far as getting sponsors for um, this bill to lower the age, who is the, the lead sponsor and are these people that are just saying they're going to sponsor it or because i mean they can't officially drop anything until after the first day of session
4: they can pre-file Our primary sponsor is ben Harbin over here in district 122 he's actually my rep okay and we have 10 yeah we have 10 additional co-sponsors and these are all people that have committed to co-sponsoring um ben has legislation on his desk he's going to let people sign it these upcoming weeks, and we're going to drop it early on the first day of session.
1: Okay, because I know that there's been a lot of uh, bills pre-filed, um, and and last year one of the one of the things that I like to try to encourage our legislators to do is is if they are going to. Um you know, make uh, prefiled bills. Try to keep the bills simple and one issue. One of the things last year that that failed was this uh, medical cannabis, which uh, Alan mm-hmm. Peak was a big uh, uh, purveyor of that. Because and, of the
4: autism church. Yeah.
1: yeah, and it had almost unanimous support in both houses, and Governor Deal would have signed it, but it was torpedoed at the end because people wanted to p- tie on some extra sausage making to it. Uh, what yeah. do you think about? It? Do you, do you want to keep your bill pure?
4: Yeah, definitely, you know, it, it's pretty cut and dry, Eighteen, twenty-one, lower the age, I think. Um, some people may say, I was talking to Dewey McLean over in the House, and he said he wants to attach a rider that would force us to recognize the constitutional amendment that allows 18-year-olds to vote, and I thought that we had already recognized that, but apparently we didn't, and he wanted to attach that to legislation. I said no, and <laughs> I said no, and I said, well... You're a tough
1: negotiator.
4: <laughs> yeah, you know, I said, no, we're not doing that. But the thing is, you, you support the bill like it is, or you don't support it. But if you're going to recognize that, if you want the Georgia to recognize that we're going to vote, that, that 18-year-olds can vote, then why don't you just represent, recognize the right for 18-year-olds to run for office? And I'm pretty sure everything after that will fall right into place. And then eventually he said, yeah, he'd support it, but he didn't want to sign on to it. He's working on other legislation. But, you know, I've, I've, I've encountered that. People want to attach unnecessary riders to it, mm-hmm. but no. It's pretty cut and dry Lower the age, and that's pretty, pretty much what we're going to stick towards.
1: So you're, uh, I mean, you sounds like you're actually learning a lot of the uh, the nuts and bolts of passing stuff. You're using a lot of terminology that I, I got to say, I, um, you know, being out in the public arena a lot, I'll ask people who their state senator is, and I get the answer. I think it's Isaacson sometimes. So <laughs> you, you, I will give you a lot of credit for uh, being precocious, but uh, I don't want to also denigrate you. It seems like you're actually uh, very resourceful and, and going through this process is going to be a very uh, teachable moment for you because a lot of folks. Don't even know the first thing about uh, getting a bill through. They don't understand the process, and you're already telling people no riders on this.
4: <laughs> yeah, definitely. And you know, I think we we've encountered very good support, mm-hmm. and we you know we just hope that people you know look at a cap- recognize the capabilities of young people right now, and just say that okay, they're capable of doing this. Let's give them the opportunity. Most of the innovation in the tech in the technology sector, mm-hmm. it came from young people, and. Young people that dropped out of college, in all honesty, that were able, you know, to turn simple ideas to a billion-dollar company. And that is what we need in government. We need innovation, and we need an investment from not only older people, but younger people as well. And I think younger people bring a new type of thinking, a new way of thinking. And they just have, you know, a, a, a huge – they have a huge concern for our nation's future and even our states. And, you know, we're – and the truth is, we are, you know, we have the highest unemployment rate in the entire country. Yeah, in the entire country. And we need, and we don't like that. And we definitely, you know, uh, we definitely want to change that. And I think, you know, if the if Georgian cares enough about it, we're legally adults. Give us the opportunity to represent our views in the legislature.
1: Well... It sounds like it'll be uh, an interesting session, to be sure. This is something that certainly wasn't on people's radars a couple years ago, and I think it's going to be an interesting fight. Basically, the the key to getting any legislation passed is just say it's for the children. And uh, anyway, CJ, I appreciate you calling in. Thank you so much, and I look forward to seeing you down under the Gold Dome this next session. No problem. And we'll see you in a couple minutes on Greg's List. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze.
0: Today's consumers find themselves faced with a greater variety of choices than ever before, both in the food they eat and the information they receive about that food. Feedstuffs Foodlink was created to provide you with a balanced source of information for making decisions about your family's balanced diet. Visit FeedstuffsFoodLink.com to learn about your food directly from the source, the people who work every day to provide it. FeedstuffsFoodLink.com, connecting farm to fork.
3: this okay, is americaswebradio.com the best in chat radio designed just for you
1: and welcome back to greg's list live your home for serious journalism only on americaswebradio.com very interesting chat there with uh cj pearson 12 year old cj pearson who uh i hope in six years will be running for some kind of office maybe college president um but uh it was a Interesting conversation, very precocious young man, and I uh, wish him luck in his endeavors and uh, obviously knows a lot more about the average bill, but uh, we wanted to take this moment to welcome our next guest, uh, Senator Brandon Beats, to the show. Uh, Brandon, how are you? Welcome to Greg's List. Oh.
6: Hey, both. hey, Brandon. Greg, how are you? Um, Merry Christmas.
1: Hey, Merry Christmas. to you. Speaking of that, have you uh, finished all your shopping yet? Yes. You have? Okay, good. I, uh, on the way up here, I got stuck at Lenox Mall area for a minute, so apparently the mil- uh, about a million people have not quite finished that, so uh, <laughs> I-, I thought that was interesting. But anyway, Senator uh, Brandon Beach from uh, Alpharetta, is Milton part of the district up there?
6: Correct, Alpharetta, Milton, and Cherokee County.
1: Cool. Yeah, I figured that it was kind of the uh, North Fold. And then all of, uh, is it all of Cherokee as well, or just part
6: of it? Well, it's it? everything uh, Cherokee east of 575.
1: Okay. So the uh, certainly the, the, the northern suburbs of a city with 5 million people and growing. Uh, Brandon, transportation is clearly an issue that uh, you've spearheaded. Uh, I know you were the president of the Chamber of Commerce um, for a while. Are you still the, the president?
6: Yes. Okay. I'm still president CEO of the greater north fulton chamber of commerce
1: okay so this transportation has obviously been something on your mind for a long time and it, it looks like that that will be something on george's mind this next session the um everybody's already sending out uh, trial balloons about how to fund things what um what, what do you think the most important things that uh that need to be accomplished in this next uh, session as far as our transportation needs
6: well we've got to invest in our infrastructure you know, we're thirty years behind. We really haven't done any major investment since before the Olympics, and and uh, we've done a great job uh, cutting government and you know right-sizing government, uh, changing the you know the size and scope of government, and uh, whether it's through criminal justice reform where we've saved millions of dollars, or whether it's through. Uh, Gdot, for example, used to have 10,000 employees 10 years ago. Now they've got 4,000. So we have have done a great job of shrinking government. One of the things we have not done a very good job of is investing in our infrastructure. And, you know, when you look at our model, uh, our pie chart, if you will, about 70% of our funding comes from the feds, and then 30% is from the state motor fuel tax. Now, in contrast, Florida is just the opposite. They're 72% state money and then the rest federal money. Hmm. And so what they do is they use their federal dollars for maintenance and uh, resurfacing, asphalt resurfacing and so on. And then when they do a big capital project, they don't have to go through the federal guidelines like we do. So what that means is if we both started the same interchange on the same day, they would finish three years ahead of us. Hmm. Because we have to go through the federal process when we take that federal dollar. So I hope I'm making sense, but yeah. so we've got to learn to wean ourselves off the federal money, and and use that for maintenance and resurfacing, and use our own money for capital projects, so that we can get projects built quicker, and uh, and you know, and really in a. In a more costly way to I guess also I'm trying to figure time out how Florida money yes. so it saves you money if you can get these projects done quicker
1: well Florida doesn't have a state income tax so how exactly are they and neither does Texas and these are states that uh, far surpass Georgia in uh, infrastructure funding so how are these other states doing it and, and while we still have a state income tax and we're so far behind
6: well Texas has a lot of oil money which helps them because of of their, their tax on oil mm-hmm. Um and in I, I believe florida is through user fees and they have a, they do a property tax that goes to transportation plus they've been in the turnpike business for a long time so a lot of their new capacity has been turnpikes and you know toll roads um so but, they so they do
1: we, a lot of consumption just, yeah, consumption based ta- Okay, they do a lot of consumption based taxes, which I think the uh, the low hanging fruit, obviously, for the state legislature is moving that fourth penny from the from the motor uh, from the fuel tax from the gas tax, obviously, to the coffers of the state for transportation. Yeah,
6: we, I think that's the low hanging fruit. That's kind of a an obvious thing to do is get it dedicated back to transportation, the fourth penny. But you know, that's only 185 million. I mean. It, we need to look at generating between a billion to a billion and a half dollars to really move the needle,
1: and, and that's um, per year, correct?
6: Correct. On top of our billion dollar program, you know, Greg, when I first was on the G dot board eight years ago, we had about one point three billion in state motor fuel dollars. Today, it's right under a billion, so that's a three hundred million dollar, you know, hit that has been taken in the last eight years because cars are getting better gas mileage. Mm-hmm. We also sell a lot of electric cars. I think, uh, you know, the state of Georgia is like number one in selling of Nissan Leafs, yeah. So we, uh, which is all good because it's good for the, the environment and it's good for the consumer. But they're putting the same wear and tear on the road and not paying any kind of motor fuel tax at all.
1: Yeah, and the other pro- the other thing with the Nissan Leaf is Georgia has a five thousand dollar tax credit, so people are leasing those, leasing Leaf leasing, if you will, and uh, driving them for free for a couple years, basically, and not paying any of the fuel tax. So I see a huge problem with that. I, I I'm advocating to get rid of the. Uh, I don't think we should be funding the R and D department for for profit companies like at Nissan. And you know we got to look at implementing some kind of ad valorem tax for these cars because they are clearly clogging up the uh, interstate arteries. Uh, there's a lot of weight. Uh, even a Nissan Leaf weighs a certain amount and, and causes wear and tear on the roads. And those folks aren't paying a dime towards uh, towards their their usage. You're correct. So I I know they've um, thrown out some. I I saw a number three hundred dollars a year for electric cars. Is that? Something that's pr- been preliminary uh, in preliminary discussion. I, I
6: think it's two hundred a year for uh, electric cars, and then three hundred a year for commercial hybrids. You know, like if it was a company that was that had a hybrid, a UPS, okay. for example, or, or so on, that has an electric truck or car,
1: right? And then there's going to be, obviously, some talk of uh, the t- uh, resurrection of the T-SPLOS, which failed in most districts uh, a few years ago. And I actually did not support the T-SPLOS because uh, I just, a lot of the major heavy lifting projects in it, Brandon, didn't start until year eight. And in my opinion, if you're going to tax people, you got to get some progress right away.
6: Yeah. Um, well, I will tell you that uh, I, I agree. When we did this... Uh, study committee and we went we, we visited eight different locations around the state mm-hmm. and one of the things we did do we we visited all three of the regions that passed the T-SPLOS. right and all three of those regions were ecstatic they were happy they were getting roads built that they wouldn't have gotten built for ten years even the mayor of Columbus came and testified before our committee she was adamantly against the TSPAS fought against the t and she testified to our committee if the t up vote was held tomorrow, she'd be the biggest cheerleader for it. Okay. She sees what it's done. So, uh, I think if we can get the project list right, um, I think it would have been a little different, but that's... that's uh, you know, yeah, site.
1: Well, I'll tell you, Georgians have a history of, we will vote, um, you know, obviously we have a, a certain Tea Party sentiment, and I know uh, there are a lot of folks that like to use the CAVE people acronym, Citizens Against Virtually Everything, but we've shown that um, Republicans and Democrats, we can work together, and, and we will vote on SPLOST to fund things. I personally vote for the uh, one-cent uh, East SPLOST in DeKalb County, because that money is dedicated directly towards education and Supposedly, it raises about six hundred million dollars, and I'd much rather have it paid that way than them trying to jack up property taxes on somebody Correct. like me. So that's kind of, I think, how we have to frame the argument, and we have to kind of
6: we have to show people. Greg, I think you saw that in this last election. Uh, Cobb passed their for uh, uh, Forsyth County passed a two hundred and ten million dollar bond initiative for infrastructure, and then Clayton County opted into MARTA right so I think those were three big wins and I think those people you know voted they knew where their money was going they knew what they were voting on they knew the projects they were going to get and the money was going to stay in their counties and they voted yes overwhelmingly
1: yeah I mean, it's like 70 to 30. Now, I remember you um, made a uh, an interesting YouTube um, uh, presentation a couple of years ago. It might have been just last year, but you basically took a tour from Cherokee County, I guess the northern tip of your district, and tried to get over to Gwinnett County by using public transportation, which um, I thought was really yeah. interesting. Can you tell no, us? I did,
6: and it, <laughs> it took me four hours. But what we learned during that, and we've addressed some of it, is that to when you cross jurisdictional lines you had to go to do to plan that trip I went from Cobb Transit to MARTA to Gwinnett Transit I had to go to three different websites to look at schedules and I had to pay with three different methods and if we're ever going to attract the lifestyle rider um, you're gonna have to make it very very easy and convenient and uh, efficient and this is just you know when you rode each system Greg they were all good Mm -hmm. by themselves they just didn't talk to each other. They didn't coordinate, if you will. Yeah. And and what we need to do is make sure those are all coordinating to where if you get on a uh, bus at Kennesaw State and you're trying to go to the 191 club to go to your job down at the 191 building, mm-hmm. you shouldn't have to go to two websites. You shouldn't have to pay in two different methods. You should know you could get down there in a, a good, efficient time with you know, clean and safe uh, transit options. So, and I think we're going to get there. I can tell you this, the region is working uh, better than they ever have as far as when you look at MARTA, Greta, uh, GDOT, they're all sitting around a table and they're communicating and working to try to solve their issues. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, down the road we're going to need to expand transit. But right now what I'm, you know, fighting for us to take our current assets mm-hmm. that are very fragmented and and they don't speak to each other, uh, and get those to at least coordinate, well. so that we can get around uh, around. And I, I think we can get there. Yeah, Um,
1: and I think that having the reliability in transportation like you were talking about where you know that if you leave at a certain time on CCT that you'll be able to get to downtown in an hour or an hour and 15 minutes. And right now it's kind of – Brandon, let's take a break here. Uh, We've got a couple minutes, but I wanted to – there's a couple specific things I wanted to ask you about on the other side of it. Uh, We'll be back in a couple minutes with Senator Brandon Beach on Greg's List. Hello, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Have you ever wondered what doctors talk about amongst themselves? If you do, join us on The Doctor's Lounge and hear the doctors' conversations amongst themselves. Join
5: me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schertz, every Thursday morning, 8 to 9 a.m.
0: Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on America'sWebRadio.com anytime you like.
5: Watchdog is a term given an organization like the United States Justice Foundation, which since 1979 has been watching out and, when necessary, taking the appropriate action—from testifying to litigating—to protect our constitutional rights. USJF, a nonprofit organization, is nationally recognized not only as a watchdog but many in the government, as well as those involved in legal cases, have also called the USJF a bulldog for the tenacious approach in their presentation and proof of what is right. Find out more at www.usjf.net. Support USJF as they support you.
6: Healthcare Consumerism Radio. Learn, connect, share. Join us every Friday at 11 o'clock to learn all those confusing issues around healthcare, Obamacare, Medicare, Medicaid, We'll help you find the answers, help you stay in compliance. Join us Friday at eleven o'clock.
3: This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you.
1: And welcome back to Greg's List Live, the home of serious journalism only on America's Webradio.com. We're wrapping up with State Senator Brandon Beach talking about transportation issues. Uh Brandon Braves are moving to Cobb County in a couple years. I think this is the perfect time to get the conversation started between CCT, MARTA, and, and, and Gwinnett, for, for that matter. Because if it took you four hours to get from Cobb to Gwinnett, I don't think we're going to have too many Gwinnettians at the new Braves Stadium.
6: Well, I will tell you that uh, you're right. And I, I do think that with Clayton County coming into the fold, uh, that is going to create some momentum for Cobb and Gwinnett and Greta all get to be part of a, a regional transit entity. And if we can get the five big counties to play in the same sandbox and work together along with Greta with their express routes and, and have it uh, coordinated to where that all is functioning as one entity, uh, even if they still keep their same names for now, you know, the idea I've thrown out there is to change the name. Uh, of MARTA and all these agencies to the Atlanta Transit Link, the ATL. So you would get on an ATL bus, an ATL train, an ATL express bus. Because right now, Greg, when you go downtown today at the end of the day, you'll see MARTA buses, Greta buses, CCT buses, Gwinnett buses. It's very, very confusing. Um, So if we could have one brand, but but that's down the road, and that's not something we have to do right away, but we need to at least start coordinating together. And I do believe that Cobb and and Gwinnett are going to want to do that uh, as long as their residents uh, still get the uh, same or better service, which I think they would get.
1: Yeah, I'm a native of, of so. native of of East Cobb, and um, we've had just so much uh, vitriol against uh, moving MARTA up there. I uh, thought that maybe attitudes were changing a little bit, but um, being at Cobb GOP and some other places this past year, they certainly have not. I uh, I'm a fan of the uh, the heavy rail. I think it should go to Cumberland, Kennesaw State, maybe somewhere north, because the right. the main goal for transit is to get cars off the road. So if if you're going to do that, you almost have to change behavior behaviors a little bit, but with Hartsfield being the busiest airport in the world, all that Northwest Corridor, and if we could do the same in Gwinnett, maybe go up to the Mall of Georgia, all that transportation going to the airport would uh, take a lot of cars off the road. So that's something that I think we're going to have to, that's probably 20 years away at least, because attitudes still haven't changed on that.
6: Let me just say one thing also, though, Greg, Keith Parker is doing an outstanding job at MARTA. Mm-hmm. He's brought a real solid business approach. Mm-hmm. He's cut out all that knucklehead behavior. He's <laughs> cleaned it up. Um, and he is really focused on service and amenities to make the, the transit experience a good experience. They also have a very good board. Uh, their board is, uh, has got some top-notch folks on it. So I really feel good about where MARTA is mm-hmm. and, uh, and the progress that they've made in the last two years under Keith's leadership. Yeah,
1: I'll be taking Marta to the uh, Hawks game tonight. The first place Atlanta Hawks wanted to give a shout out to they're them. On a,
6: they're on a win streak, aren't they? Yeah, man.
1: What a, what a surprise. A pleasant surprise. And uh, who knows? The Falcons may be able to uh, get into the playoffs as well. So we, we may turn into Winter yeah. city after all. But uh, I, here's a, one final thing. Just wanted to talk about uh, other aspects of transportation. Taxicabs uh, and rideshare companies like Uber and Lyft. How do they fit in in coordination? Because obviously Obviously, MARTA doesn't go everywhere. A lot of people have to take it into the city and then take a taxi or somewhere else or a bus to their final destination. What kind of potential integration can we have with some of these private sector options? The appetite, um, I, you know, the cabs and, and Uber and Lyft are obviously in a heated battle against each other. And I think that there's room for all of them to. Uh,
6: to yeah, play. I do. I agree with you. I think there's room for everybody to play. And, and to make a difference and make an impact make money I, I will tell you there's not been a lot of discussion on that of how the the taxis and the ubers fit in on a transportation plan mm-hmm. uh i know they are in a heated discussion about you know how they operate and regulate yep. and so on um but uh you know I, i've taken uber before and it, it's it's a great service uh you know they pick you right up with your app and uh you, know, you got to realize we we are the technology city of the south and um, you know we people like technology here and um so we need to make sure we are advancing technology
1: yeah, and, and one of the things that I think separates Uber and Lyft from uh, the traditional taxi cab is when you're ordering it maybe in a, a suburb or something like that, the reliability of it. And that's what me and you were talking about earlier. If you know that you can get on a CCT at Kennesaw State and be downtown in less than an hour, you're going to eschew the car and realize that you have reliable transportation. And that's where the taxis and Uber and Lyft, I think, can can somehow be, be uh, consoli- or not cons- streamlined with with, um, you know, some of our other transportation options in order to maybe even get people to go carless, which would be a yeah. shock for people in the south. So right. that's some, some of the things I think that uh, should, should definitely be on the table and, and keep everybody in the conversation. I don't think the cabs should... Uh, you know I think they should be on a level playing field but deregulation for their industry is something is probably the route that I would hope for them to go because they basically have to beg for permission and, and through the taxi medallion system to operate in the city of atlanta which has hurt the uh, the numbers of cabs available
6: yeah well greg let me just close with this if, okay. if you don't mind and that is this doing nothing is not an option we cannot continue to kick the can down the road and not invent invest in our infrastructure. If if we don't address our infrastructure needs, you know, putting my economic development hat on, my chamber hat, it'll become a retention issue. It won't be about recruiting new companies. It'll be be about trying to keep companies here because there is a breaking point where employers and employees just will have enough where they're not going to commute two hours to work in the morning and two hours to work in the evening. You know, so we have to make sure we have some options out there uh, for people to get to and from their their jobs. And, um, you know, in my district, we saw two companies uh, leave, and that was um, Athena Healthcare and WorldPay. They stayed in Georgia, and they went down to Midtown and Downtown, which is good, so we kept them. But they could have very easily went to Raleigh-Durham or or charlotte and we don't want that so we have got to make sure that we're providing the proper proper infrastructure to to keep these companies and continue to to recruit new companies All
1: right well anyway senator brandon beach we appreciate you calling in today and uh expect to have you back uh maybe in a month or so once session starts and we get some uh some actual bills dropped
6: (laughs) i look forward to it and we'll we'll be back on the air and i just want to wish you and your viewers a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year.
1: Thank you, Senator Brandon Beach. You have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year as well. And uh, wanted to thank Senator Beach for calling in just a couple of days before Christmas. The Christmas rush does not slow us down here at Greg's List. Um, really, I believe session starts on January 12th for the state of Georgia. So it uh, it, right is, around the corner. it is rapidly coming up. And uh, we look forward to seeing you at the Capitol and uh, you and your wife have a Merry Christmas. Okay.
6: Okay, thank you.
1: Appreciate it, Brandon. And we are going to wrap up here on Greg's. We've got a couple of uh, minutes left to finish up some segments. The oil prices have continued to plummet. And uh, I was uh, on the uh, conversation earlier uh, during the break with uh, our station owner. And um, the state of Texas obviously being very uh, reliant on oil. And its prices is hemorrhaging jobs now. And it's, uh, you know it's interesting the, the, the give and take and the pull um, push and pull of industries, because a lot of these uh, oil companies that are uh, making money and, and manifested because of, of fracking and the shale, they're only profitable if oil is at a certain price. That's the way their business model is now. So if they're not profitable, they go out of business which decreases the supply of oil, and it pushes us back on an upward spike in prices. So its uh, I don't know what to do. If I was investing in oil right now, I would um, probably try to uh, diversify. <laughs> I'm not a, uh, a financial planner, but I would just say that uh, it's, you, you, can't, you can't say it's going to go too much lower. Um, gas prices in Georgia are down to about 2.25, which gives a lot of the legislators some opportunity to look at consumption taxes. I personally believe consumption taxes are the best way to raise taxes. As far as messaging, uh, pushing off increased revenue or tax increases in the state of Georgia, you really have to tell the taxpayer what they are getting, and that was the the fundamental failure of the T-Splost is at first it was transportation, then it was economic development, then it was a hybrid, and if you really gleaned through the list of projects, the major ones, the heavy lifting, the ones that would have made a tangible difference, most of them didn't start until year eight. So band three was what it was called in the uh, in the bill. The, the good thing about T-Splost is it was highly specific. I mean, specific to like starting dates, it wasn't nebulous, but it simply did not uh, move dirt quick enough. So people would be paying taxes for eight years before they would see any of the major improvements happen. And we all know that none of these projects are going to be wrapped up within two years. So the tax would have had to be re-implemented. But learning from that, picking the specific Projects from the T-SPLOS and showing that to the taxpayer and then giving them the choice, look, we have to fund this somehow. We can raise your property taxes. We can do this. Or if we do nothing, then the roads will degrade and you won't be able to go anywhere unless you have a helicopter. Uh, those are the options. Then that will give the, the the folks here in Georgia a choice to vote to donate more money to the state of Georgia, to distribute to transportation and construction and development companies, to increase infrastructure, and to enhance it, and to improve it, or to not improve it, to keep the status quo. Now, the state of Georgia is about $21 billion per year, and that number has gone up considerably since the, the dregs of the Great Recession, back when it was about 16 to $17 billion. so we are increasing revenues. The question is if they need a billion more, or 1.5 billion or whatever the number is, how do you get there? It can't be revenue neutral. They have to get more revenue. So the devil is in the details, as you all know. And it's going to be what are people willing to pay for and how you message it as far as going on a ballot.
2: Let me ask you something, Greg. You know, in talking about that, I would say everything you said is correct and your question are the people willing to pay for it i tell you what in my opinion and i'd I'd love your opinion i think people today are basically of of the set that they will they will go along with most anything if they're told honestly and they're told truthfully and they're shown you know if 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 Deal or anybody else is kind of well. We need to spend a billion and a half doing it, and we're going to do it. And you know, you don't get to, then. I think they're going to be upset. But I, I honestly think if they are given, you said it. You know, if they're informed, then they they would support it. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, I, I. That's the one a benefit that the T plus had. It really did have a very detailed. Over, I mean, over detailed. Really, they should have probably cut down some of the projects and gotten the heavy lifting done a little bit earlier, but. That was very specific, and I think people really, uh, you know, if they are messaged properly and they, they don't feel like they're getting hoodwinked, then they will go for it. They will invest some of their own money in improving uh, their infrastructure and their transportation needs. Anyway, we're going to wrap up here on Greg's List. As always, we thank you for listening. Thank you to C.J. Pearson and State Senator Brandon Beach for joining us just a couple of days before the holidays. We will see you next week on Greg's List. We've got another great show lined up, and uh, thanks for listening.